Hey guys, welcome back to The Pillars. I'm Dr. Reed. I'm here in the studio with... Dr. Jerry. And Chaplain Jim. And, uh, you know, we're, we're excited to talk to you guys today um, because, you know, we're sitting back and reflecting a little bit about um, all the different Pillars episodes that we've done. And, you know, to summarize them all, we recognize that we regularly talk to you guys about uh, human performance and development and growth and tips for growth. And that's really the tenor of a lot of our five minutes to thrive. You know, it's all based on helping you fix problems or challenges that are going on in your life with some pretty practical tips that you can start doing uh, today. And that's, and that's all great. And that has its place. But we start, you know, and we're thinking about here we are at the beginning of the year and we're, you know, maybe setting smart goals for ourselves and, uh, thinking about what we want to be in 2019, what we want to become. And, um, and the question comes like, how will we know when we got there? How will we evaluate? How will we know if we're enough? How will we know if we've achieved the goals? And, and in part, uh, we set SMART goals for that reason so that we'll know exactly when we've achieved them. But I uh, want to talk a little bit more about just maybe a bigger discussion about when is enough enough? How will we know when we're enough, when we're good enough or and I think it's important that we address that because a lot of us have, have this underlying anxiety about not being enough. Mm -hmm. And we feel like we're deficient in one or maybe multiple areas of our lives. And that's not necessarily what we're, we're trying to convey with all the self-improvement stuff that we, we talk about with you guys on the pillars and in the five minutes to thrive. It's not that you're not enough because you are enough. It's that we all have these goals or aspirations to be even bigger and better than we are right now. It doesn't necessarily mean that we're deficient. But Jerry, you know where I'm coming from when I when I say like, uh, look out there at the marketing in the world, and Jim, uh, chime in on this as well. But you know, you look at the marketing that exists out there, and the message that you're enough, it's not out there mm -mm. really. You know, uh, whether it's makeup that will bring out your natural beauty. Or, or whatever the case may be, the message implicit or overt is simply that you're not enough and thank goodness that there's a product or a mm -hmm. service out there that's going to help you to alleviate that anxiety that you sure. talked about, Jerry. The idea that you have flaws and here's this product that can help you fix them. So thank God nobody will see them, right? Well, and on the God reference, if you go down from my faith tradition, a certain area in your local bookstore, you'll see um, maybe that faith tradition living, right? There's a section. If you go down there, it's just as bad. Mm -hmm. It's going to say you need to be this or that. And it will give you book after book of telling you what you need to be and that you aren't sufficient. Not only that, but from my faith tradition, we use the Bible. If you go to the Bible section, your Bible is no longer enough. You need the super duper study Bible with the marked pages. <laughs> and, and I'm not kidding. If you go, there'll be an area that's just so long. Now, considering we all started with this one kind of group of scriptures, how much it's shifted. And there's reasons before we get emails for different translations. That's not what I'm addressing. I'm talking about every study Bible for this or that to make you better. Mm -hmm. But even more so, if you go to a local congregation, they'll tell you, you know, memorize so many scriptures per week. Make sure you read your Bible in a year. You know, make sure you're praying three times a day if you can or more. Doing, doing, doing more, more, more. When the core message is you're accepted as who you are. As who you are. That is, Jim, I, I, I thank you for bringing that up. And, I, and I, as you're sitting there saying this, I'm, I'm aware of the fact that we do generate a lot of tips for people. We offer a lot of suggestions. Mm -hmm. And I would never want anyone to misinterpret that like, um, I'm not sure how many folks are listening to this, but I, I, 
it, it would uh, hurt me to think that there are people sitting back and like, oh, they just introduced five more tips and I don't know if I can incorporate all of those. And, you know, if <laughs> right. I don't, I'll be a bad person and I'll be a failure. I, that's certainly not the way that we want you to run with this. If you hear something that resonates with you and you like it, give it a shot. You know, but if you, if you mm -hmm. don't like it or if uh, it doesn't resonate with you or if you fail in trying to implement it, doesn't mean you're a bad person. And that's what I wanted to get to is, is it doesn't mean you're a bad person if you're not doing these things. And I think there's a, a, a lot of uh, societal expectations out there for what you should be or what you feel like uh, the expectations of others are. And this is not just given to us by advertising and marketing, but also by self-promotion. Go on any of your social media sites and you're going to see people presenting their best life, the best moments of yes. their life, their, their perfect um, you know, selfie that they took maybe a hundred times and finally got the right one. And so now you're trying to compare your honest self with all these other people's best selves. And, and it sets you up for un unrealistic expectations as to what you think you should be. Um, and, and we get into the self-comparison trap and it can lead to something that um, we've affectionately termed the imposter syndrome. Oh yeah, yeah, the imposter syndrome. Uh, have any of you guys ever gotten into a new role or found yourself in a new position in life? and? wondered, gosh, I wonder, I wonder how long it's going to take for people to figure me out. They're going to know that I don't belong here. I, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not as smart as these folks. I'm not as athletic as these folks. I'm not whatever. The implication is I'm not enough and that if people only knew my mm -hmm. deep, dark secret, they would shame me. Uh, you know, insert your worst case scenario, your, your whatever your catastrophic thought is about this. But essentially, I'm not good enough. I'm not enough right. to be here. And, and I'm going to have to fake it while I'm here so that people don't discover that I don't belong here. We say that, don't we? We say fake it until you make it. And right. there is something adaptive about that. I don't want to shoot that down. But it implies that, again, you're not enough right now. Mm -hmm. And so you got to fake it until you make it, right? I felt that way in grad school. I'll mm -hmm. tell you flat out. Um, because I, I you know, came into this group of... 10 other people in the room. This is my cohort. I was meeting them for the first time. And they're almost all of them, they're older than me. They're more advanced in their life stages. They're successful. Most of them have master's degrees. And, and I'm looking around the table. I'm like, I don't belong here. This is, they've made a mistake. <laughs> I, I shouldn't be here. And it felt that way. And now I, I look back in it and, and yeah, absolutely. I was, I was one of them. I was chosen for, for that cohort for a reason. Mm -hmm. And I, did finish the program. I did graduate and I did not to toot my own horn, but I did pretty well. But it didn't stop me from experiencing that for not just when I first came into the room, but for the first several years of grad school. And then I felt it again when I joined the military, when I joined the Air Force. I was like, okay, I'm wearing this uniform, but especially as a medical officer, I was like, I don't I don't belong here. I don't deserve this rank. I don't, I don't think these people know what, you know, I'm, I'm getting myself into here. And it, it took a while for me to feel comfortable, even in my own shoes and my own uniform, uh, to feel like I was a part of the organization and contributing effectively. I'd like to believe that goes away over time that you, you know, learn over the years that you are enough. But I'm afraid that it probably doesn't happen to the extent that I would like it to. Because I'm thinking about the example of the the new flight leader, the senior NCO, or mm -hmm. maybe the, the CGO who has had a good amount of experience, and now they find themselves in charge of a flight. And um, it wouldn't surprise me in the least to learn that that senior NCO has got some concerns about being perceived as competent mm -hmm. or being able to lead well in the organization. Uh, and, and keep in mind that this is 
in the face of a lot of experience uh, mm -hmm. of being exposed to good leadership and maybe some bad leadership and having some pretty well-developed ideas about how to lead in a flight. But day one in that position, I can't tell you that that person's not going to experience a lack of confidence or mm -hmm. you know, I wonder if I'm going to be good enough in this role. But there's a, a stigma against them being honest about sure. that and, and showing that kind of vulnerability because um, I think we expect our leaders to be confident and to be steadfast and be uh, unwavering in their decision making. And sometimes I think that works to their disadvantage because they feel like they have to um, make a decision that they're unsure of or um, rely on their own knowledge without sourcing from other people and may end up doing some things that are unpopular or, or downright you know, dangerous. Yeah. And, and so having the um, ability to seek within yourself and, and determine um, is this a realistic thought? Am I am I really giving myself the benefit of the doubt? Is this accurate? Um, but then being able to also source from others and get their perspective on it, I think, can be really helpful. I remember the day I w the day I was sworn in as a chaplain. So I'd been an intel officer before. The day I went through seminary, I'm trained. My ecclesiastical endorser says I'm legit. So I have the training, and I know that based on like what's required. Mm -hmm. That day I'm sworn in. I go home. We'd had cake, and I got called for my first first death notification that day. Wow. So I go, a person died in Iraq, so a long time ago. So I sh go to the location, I don't know what I'm doing. I have no clue, I've never done one before. And I remember going with the commander and they're looking to me for all the guidance, for everything. And I'm just trying, I'm, they're gonna figure me out, they're gonna figure me out and I'm just trying to be confident and care for people. Mm -hmm. That's really what I did. And, yeah. I, and you know, I knew the AFIs, the rules for this, but it, it didn't matter, like I've never done one before. And at the end he's like, how many of these have you done? And like, well, that's my first one. Like, and, I just, and, uh, and then he asked the second question, well, how long have you been a chaplain? And imagine your commander after working through a death notification. Yeah. Well, this is actually my first day. Um, <laughs> like, so when you say that, they just looked at me like, well, you, you actually did a really great job. Like, and I was like, well, thanks. But I had that whole time, and it was a multi-hour period. We had to drive several hours. Yeah. We had to notify the mom at, at an airport where she works. We couldn't find her at home. It was just, it was really traumatic situation for me personally. But going through it, I'm like, they're going to figure me out. They're going to figure out how to know what I'm doing. And frankly, I did have the skills, just like you did mm -hmm. and you did in these situations. But we doubt ourselves so much. Now, that's a large situation. You could see where some doubt would arise, even an experienced individual. But I remember the first day I became a priest, and they're starting to call me Father Jim. I'm like, stop it. Like, I don't know if I deserve <laughs> this. I still don't know if I do. Um, so those kind of things do come up, and that's normal. I want to uh, jump topics a little bit, but not really far. Um, I was listening, actually, to an interview that you guys did um, yesterday with... Uh, uh, Major General O'Brien, uh, 25th Air Force Commander, back in September of last year. And mm -hmm. you guys sat down and you were talking to her about uh, a lot of different things, how she balances work and life and family. And if you've listened to that podcast, uh, it, it's great. If you haven't, I really encourage you to go listen to it. Um, but part of that discussion is uh, you, you talked to General O'Brien about her professional development mm -hmm. and kind of how she uh, grew up as a leader and... Um, her learning how to trust her own voice and her own intuition. And she did seek uh, mentoring and guidance at, at points during her career, mm -hmm. uh, especially when it was, you know, when it came time to be make, making decisions about potentially being separated from family members. And mm -hmm. she talked about some of the, the challenges around that and, and seeking guidance. But um, at some point, you, you, you believe, uh, listening to her words, that she developed the ability to um, kind of uh, trust herself, trust that, that her decision-making was enough and, and mm -hmm. to come to rely on herself. Um, but also, uh, again, uh, this is a, a shameless plug to go back and listen to the episode. 
Um, but one of the, the favorite things that, that I took away from that interview was she said, you know, listen, I've, I've read obviously a lot of good books. I've read everything I needed to for PME. I didn't shirk my duties in that regard, but her encouragement to airmen was to read books that are on topics that they are passionate about versus mm -hmm. reading things that they think that they should read. Right? And, and there's any number of good leadership books out there, things that would help Probably people. thousands. Thousands, I mean, it's an industry. You know, oh, yeah. and, and we come from an industry of self-help books as well. So I'm, right. not, I'm certainly not pointing the finger at leadership books. Um, but the mere presence of those thousands and thousands and thousands of books would potentially lead someone to believe, you know, this idea that if I don't digest all mm -hmm. of this material and uh, if I don't have some kind of quote at the ready or if I can't rattle off my favorite leadership tomes, then somehow I'm not good enough as a leader, right? And it's, it, and that's simply not the case. You know, you are good enough. Jerry, you said you got to this place somehow. Someone recognized your right. potential, right, uh, to be in the position that you're in. But I, I want to point out there that there's a lot of good products and services. There's a lot of good books written on leadership. And you may or may not be drawn to them. It may not interest you. And I, and I hope that you kind of take that as permission from a senior leader in our Air Force that, you can, you can gravitate towards topics that are really of interest to you, and they're going to make you a more three-dimensional and well-rounded airman mm -hmm. and leader. General O'Brien talked about her passion for chemistry and for right. science. I'm glad that we have someone leading our NAF that has got some outside interests. It makes them a more interesting, approachable, robust leader. Absolutely. And, and not that all these leadership books do this, but I think the, the sheer quantity out them uh, of them out there prey on some of those anxieties of uh, the imposter syndrome that we don't feel like we're good enough. And so, oh, well, here's something to, to help you feel to become good enough. And as long as we're aware of, of our own personal shortcomings and are giving ourselves the benefit of the doubt, we can find those those um, things which are beneficial to us without, feel, without feeling like we're constantly having to, uh, like you said, digest hundreds and hundreds of yep. leadership books that honestly quite all say the same thing. <laughs> yeah, they, they really do. And if you really want to test your gut instinct on leadership, find your favorite genre of television, show, movie, etc. But I like sci-fi, so there was a famous show where people would trek through space and the stars. <laughs> and if you look mm -hmm. at it, there's a famous Shakespearean actor who's in one of those seasons. And I would watch that show with an air of how is the leadership decision being made? I remember being told mm -hmm. that when I was 14 in Civil Air Patrol. And I would watch that show and say, oh man, I had the instinctual, um, you know, instincts to say this is the type of decision, this is the emotional intelligence presence at present. Now at 14, 15, I didn't have the knowledge of what the verb, you know, the specific term or the technique being used, and it doesn't matter. Like, it's nice to know the names, but if you know what to do, but if you watch any of these shows, you know, based in myth, allegory, mm -hmm. uh, or even written story, they're trying to show you how to live an effective life, and that involves being a good leader. So watch and just say, like, how would I lead? Is that a good way to lead? Is that a good way to lead a household, a person, a group, an organization? Because frankly, a lot of times our presentations even feature clips from some of these movies to say this, this is a way to illustrate this technique. So watch and just test, and I guarantee that at some level, whether it's an anime or a sci-fi show, <laughs> you're gonna say, oh, that's this and I knew that I didn't need to read a book to garner it. Now, I'm, again, I am the least person uh, in the world probably to not say go read a book. I read way too many books. I love reading; it's my passion. But um, it's just a way to test and know you do know enough where you are right now. The Air Force has trained you well, regardless of where you are, to lead where you are mm -hmm. in the in this um, organization. 
So to sum it all up, what we're saying is you are good enough that um, maybe some of these perceived de deficits are not based in reality, but that shouldn't stop you from uh, always looking for opportunities to indulge your passions and to try to improve your life in some way. And be mindful and, you know, be mindful if you are um, experiencing some kind of anxiety around the idea that I'm not enough, just be mindful of where that's coming from because it, it may not be starting from within you. Uh, we're marketed to pretty heavily. And so mm -hmm. some of those messages are definitely coming from the outside and, uh, and you know, we're getting those messages all the time that we're not good enough, smart enough in, in a variety of different areas. So um, that's a great tip. Well, we want to thank you for listening to The Pillars, the podcast of the 363rd ISR Wing. I'm Chaplain Jim. I'm Dr. Reed. I'm Dr. Jerry. Until next time, we hope you have a great Air Force Day.